All right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Mile High Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network over here, site manager over at Denver Stiffs, as you know. And I am coming to you today on a Wednesday night. Uh, the Golden State Warriors have beaten the Dallas Mavericks in their first game of the series. Um, that is something that also happened today, but in a surprising twist. Not a lot of Nuggets fans, I think, necessarily assumed that there would be news today. I am here to tell you that the news I come bringing is not exactly positive. Tim Connolly, the president of basketball operations for the Denver Nuggets, is reportedly in serious talks with the Minnesota Timberwolves to take over for their president of basketball operations role. That came from Sham Sharania, John Krasinski over at The Athletic. Uh, John is the Minnesota Timberwolves athletic reporter. So this thing is pretty sourced. Uh, they, they have a couple of notes in here that aren't necessarily, like it's not saying that it's guaranteed to happen or anything like that, but According, or here's the article, quote, the Timberwolves recently requested permission from the Nuggets to speak with Connolly, and the sides have moved beyond exploratory conversations, sources said. There have been no agreements reached yet, and nothing appears imminent, sources said. So that's interesting. That is a, a couple of interesting things for... Uh, from this report for the T-Wolves specifically, they are doing right by their organization and they're trying to hire a very strong basketball operations mind in order to kind of lead their presence of basketball or their, their front office, their organization, kind of be the face of everything over there. And it makes a lot of sense. I, Tim Connolly has done a fantastic job in Denver. I think that that is objective. That is not a subjective thing anymore. There's a lot of people that have a lot of respect for Tim Connolly. Now, it's big news. It hasn't happened yet. And that's like, there are a lot of people questioning, okay, why did Sham say something? Well, it's because it's big news. Even if it doesn't happen, the fact that the T-Wolves are going after a, an exec that is employed with somebody else, and it would be a lateral move, and they're apparently trying to give him a massive uh, offer in order to get him, I think that's a big, big deal. Is Shams lying? No. I think that there were a couple of reports from Dane Moore, uh, who's also based in Minnesota, as well as Mike Singer here at the Denver Post, and they both confirmed the interest. And Singer also shared in his story that Connolly is on a list of other executives, including Sam Presti, Bob Myers, and Masai Ujiri as play as uh, executives that the Minnesota Timberwolves have circled that are external, where they would try to hire those guys away from their organizations. Now, it was also noted that he said that Connolly was the one who was the most probably financially gettable. And Sam Presti, Bob Myers, Masai Ujiri, all of those guys very tied to their organizations. Presti, of course, with the OKC Thunder, running that process over there. Bob Myers, uh, in Golden State, and Masai Ujiri, who Nuggets fans should know pretty well, is in Toronto. It's those guys and it's Tim Connolly on that list. And if, if that list is real, which I think Dane Moore would probably say it is, 
that it's it's pretty indicative of how high of stature that Tim Connolly has around the NBA. He's not as public as some of the other guys, and he's not like in the news for making these massive trades and doing everything he can to put his his imprint on the game like he's more just trying to help be a good executive. And clearly that has come across the table and and there's a lot of people that respect him for it. So what does this mean? What is the big deal here? I think that Tim Connolly is important to the Nuggets, uh, but ultimately it's going to be up to Tim Connolly to decide what he wants to do. Uh, He has been courted in the past by other teams. Most recently, the Washington Wizards, his hometown, uh, close to Baltimore, tri-state or tri-area, kind of like that. Uh, that was the last time he was courted, and rather than that, he got a raise, and Tommy Shepard instead became the GM with the Washington Wizards. Um, Connolly has been probably sought after more times privately than publicly at this point, but he has made it pretty clear that he wants to be in Denver, at least up until this point. But given that this has moved kind of beyond just like uh, exploratory conversations, which is the phrasing that Shams and John Krasinski shared in their article, I think it's important for Nuggets fans to take this seriously. And that would be pretty bad. It would be pretty bad for uh, Denver to lose Connolly. At this point, and I know that there's a lot of people that might question that. I'm here to tell you that it's bad. But it also sounds like the Wolves are coming with a major offer. Uh, there was a possibility that, uh, from Dane Moore's reporting, that he would be potentially negotiating a stake in ownership, like potentially having some ownership in the Timberwolves as part of the deal, which is pretty serious. Like for, for them to give up money. That they, that they own and they run for the team and have some sort of say in what actually goes on from an ownership standpoint, that is a really, really big deal. And it shows that they're pretty committed, if that's true. I have no reason to not believe Dane on that. So that is a really, really interesting offer. And it likely means that the T-Wolves are going to try to outbid Denver. They're going to try to give him the bag, give him plenty of money. And there comes a certain point where if you're Tim and you have this excellent opportunity on the board, you can go to another Western Conference playoff contender, a team that also has two young uh, kind of perennial stars in Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, along with some flexibility with their draft picks, with uh, some of the young pieces that they also have around those guys. Like, it's a pretty enticing move. And Chris Finch is also there, somebody that I'm sure Tim has a relationship with from him being the lead assistant on Denver staff. Kind of before everything went haywire or went uh, went gangbusters with Denver, excuse me. So this should be an indicator that the Wolves are coming with a major offer. It should also be an indicator that the Nuggets need to be coming with a major counteroffer in order to show good faith. That's how these negotiations work, is that if if somebody says that they want you, then the Nuggets are going to have to put themselves into a position where they say, okay, do we want Tim Connolly around? Yes. Okay. How much do we value him? 
if it's this much, then they should be willing to offer that to Tim. If it's if they're lowballing him, then my guess is he will probably go. And that would be a really, really sad thing because I, I think that this is a this is a situation where the Nuggets should be ponying up. Uh, it's, a, it's the second big test for ownership to date. The first one was paying Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon. The, the maxes for Nikola Jokic, for Jamal Murray, those were understood. Those were definitely going to happen based off of the trajectory of those guys. It was pretty clear that they were valuable pieces that were going to be getting maxes no matter what. The ones that you didn't necessarily know were Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon. They both were given money and the Nuggets are going to be in the tax. And they've proven that they're willing to be in the tax. Now, how much to that degree, I still have questions on, but this is another kind of question, kind of riffing off of that. The first test is paying your players, is paying for what's on the court. The next test for ownership is paying for what's off the court. It's paying for the personnel that helps make the team good. Michael Malone got an extension right before the end of the regular season this year. I would be surprised if they didn't give one to Tim Connolly or at least talk to him about it saying, hey, look, if you're valued by this team, then we're going to try to match that offer. Now, if the match is ownership stock, then that, that could be hard for the Cronkies to do. They, they may decide that they don't want to do that. In which case, I I mean, it's up to Tim at that point. It's it's what he values. I've always been very high on Tim Connolly, uh, thinking that some of the moves that he makes, not necessarily my favorites, but despite some of those weaknesses in roster building, I think it's important to see the bigger picture here. It's important to see what the Nuggets have built, the foundation that they've had. Tim Connolly was a big reason why they drafted Nikola Jokic. Was he the only reason? No. But one of the big things about that was because he knew how to put smart people in positions to scout those guys, and then he's the one to make the final decision, which is a really, really big deal for any kind of manager, any kind of leader in an organization. He was willing and able to do that, and that is, I think, a big deal. Now, he is also somebody who is just well thought of around the league in general. Like it isn't just like a a shared awesome party for for every guy. No, like you're everybody is kind of working and doing their own thing. And some guys like us. Some guys some guys are not big fans of what other play, of what other executives do. Connolly is a guy that people have fan like he has fans in the league, and there's a reason why. Like he has done good things. He finds value on the margins. He keeps and retains the players that deserve it. And I think he's generated really good faith and really good culture within this Nuggets organization. And he is, as as much as anybody, a reason for that. I know Michael Malone is, is somebody who's very into that as well. I know Nikola Jokic is somebody that people love to credit for the organizational culture too. But it comes from Tim Connolly as well. It comes from him being willing to be friendly with those guys, paying everybody what they need, 
but also just being involved. And, and he's clearly involved in the day-to-day of everything that goes on with this Nuggets organization. And he's not just kind of a uh, overseeing everything, making cold and calculated moves. The organization trusts him because he has earned that trust. And as somebody who, like, I, I just respect that a lot from him. And, and I've come to realize that rather than being perfect at every single move of your job, sometimes the best thing you can do is generate the best possible goodwill within your organization and get the morale up, make sure that everybody that is currently there is working to the best of their ability because that's the most important thing at the end of the day. You can have amazing people and you can get more and more and more of them, but if they're not all going in the same direction, then what do you really have? So I think that he is a guy that like he, there have been no chemistry issues. There have been no free agency flight risks in Denver. Tim Connolly's a big reason for that. I think he's a guy that deserves that raise. He deserves to be paid like one of the best executives in the NBA because that's what he is. And like they're just they just need a good offseason. And they have a great opportunity to get back into the championship mix. I don't know whether he's going to be around for it. I don't know whether the Nuggets are going to pay him. I think it would be a massive mistake if they didn't. Uh, but if they don't, then we'll just have to see what happens. Like Denver has kind of laid some of the groundwork for bringing other people into the fold. Calvin Booth is a guy that they have a lot of faith in. He was elevated to the GM role this year. Uh, or basically after Arturis Karnasovas left. And I, it does seem to me like Calvin Booth is very good at his job, and he has many fans around the league as well. And so if he was the guy that was then kind of elevated to Denver's next president of basketball operations, then Denver would probably be fine. Like, I'm not here to scream doom and gloom on this. I just think that you want to retain somebody that's really good at what they do. Um. Now, the one thing that is really difficult in this is identifying whether this is the right time to upset the boat. Because right now, Denver is in that situation where they, they've just gone through turmoil through these last through this last like 12 to 14 months or so, had some really tough luck. They haven't been able to make it work. If you lose Tim Connolly right now and go into this offseason without your lead decision maker, he's the guy who knows more than anybody what they need. He's the guy who can who has the power to make those decisions and has the cadre to make those decisions. Now, sometimes does he hold on to his own pieces a little bit too much? Sure. Maybe if you airdrop somebody new and then maybe Denver actually does a little bit better. I don't know if I subscribe to that theory. I think that Tim Connolly is a professional and knows what he has to do this offseason, and hopefully he gets a chance to do it. Hopefully it isn't Calvin Booth. Hopefully the Nuggets don't have to make a change in order to continue maintaining the status quo for what they hope to be a championship caliber season. I think that would be a mistake, but we're going to see if it actually is. I am very curious to see what upsetting the pecking order would do to Denver's offseason plans because 
changing up what's working right now and what has worked in Denver with Tim Connolly at the helm for the last nine years, I think it would be a mistake to go a different direction at this moment. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss another personnel move that happened in the Nuggets organization today. Uh, a little bit less heralded, but stump- something still important. We'll be right back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Obviously didn't expect to post a podcast today, and I haven't decided what I'm going to do for tomorrow, but uh, we will just have to see on that front. But for now, let's talk about Jordy Fernandez, who uh, was Denver's second assistant this year, their second assistant coach uh, behind David Adelman on Michael Malone's staff. Uh, Mike Brown, the new coach in Sacramento, who... Sacramento fans were much happier that it was Mike Brown than if it had been Mark Jackson, and frankly, I can't blame them. Uh, Mike Brown is the new head coach there, and he is filling out his staff, and the first assistant that he hires, Jordy Fernandez, Denver's second assistant, comes off their bench. Uh, He's probably going to be a guy who, I don't know if he's going to run the offense or run the defense for them, or or maybe they'll do things differently in Sacramento, but... uh, he gets an elevation, a promotion to go to Sacramento. And I'm sure that they paid him pretty well in order to go over there. Uh, Obviously for Denver, second assistant behind David Adelman. As I said, Adelman was the offensive coordinator for the Nuggets this year. Jordy Fernandez was the defensive coordinator. He was the guy that would be really responsible for defensive coverages, for making sure that everybody was executing what they do, uh, he was teaching principles. He was kind of responsible for that end of the floor. Michael Malone is responsible for the in-game flow and adjustments and everything that goes into head coaching. David Adelman, responsible for the offensive sets and, and making sure that guys are running things the way that they need to. Uh, that's just kind of how the structure worked this year. Similar to the Tim Connolly loss, uh, this provides a little bit of change for Denver. Uh, it's it's unfortunate for the Nuggets. Their organization has been picked clean a number of times on the front office and the coaching side. From the the coaching perspective, you have a lot of guys, Wes Unsell Jr., the most recent one, to go to different places and be hired on to. Uh, he was, he's a head coach, obviously, and he definitely deserved to do that. But uh, he was a guy that Denver desperately missed this year. That's I think that's one of the reasons why their defense kind of took a step back, uh, among other reasons. But Denver missed Wes Ansel Jr. Jordy Fernandez filled in his shoes as kind of the defensive main lead guy. And I'll, I'll talk about the defense in a little bit here, but I think Denver could do better. Uh, but Chris Finch left. Uh there was another Chris, uh, a coach who uh, who left Denver as well, um, and and so you, you've had a lot of guys like that. You had Mike Nori go different places. You had 
Uh, Chris Finch, as I mentioned, like there, there's been a lot of guys on Michael Malone's staff that have gone different places. Uh, they've they've taken their elevations. They've mo- like some of them have even gone to lateral moves, and and a lot of that I think is because of money. Um, and so, like obviously, in an organization, you can't pay everybody. I'm not here to just say damn the Nuggets ownership for not paying everybody because if you have to choose, like. Let's say the choice is between keeping Tim Connolly as the president of the basketball operations versus keeping your second assistant. I think that's an easy choice, personally. Um, for other organizations, maybe that's different. Maybe they just give everybody promotions and print money. Uh, I don't think that's the case for Denver. But I am very curious to see how this evolves and, and who kind of replaces Jordy Fernandez on the staff. Because... Uh, change can sometimes be good. Like there, there's definitely part of me that thought that Denver really underperformed on the defensive end this year. They had Jeff Green in place of Michael Porter, who I thought would be a defensive upgrade. And there are parts of it where he is a defensive upgrade. He's a little bit more in tune with the system. He's a little bit more in tune with what the Nuggets are wanting to do. But he also has some weaknesses, and Monte Morris has some weaknesses, and Denver had to sort of make up for those weaknesses in different ways. And I think that had their defense struggling a little bit. But I don't know. I still think that Denver, as kind of an average regular season defense, a subpar playoff defense, I I just don't think that they were as prepared for the defensive end of the floor as they probably needed to be. There are some teams in the NBA this year, the Mavericks among them, who were able to buy into the defensive end of the floor, the perimeter protection, making sure to keep guys out of the paint. And if they got to the paint, then you would swarm, you would try to figure it out. But for the most part, it's just about preventing guys from getting to the paint in the first place. And Denver, it's not like they have that much worse defensive personnel than a team like Dallas. Like, they should still be able to do some stuff. But they weren't. So, I'm in a position right now where I I don't want to point the fingers at specific people because I think that part of it is probably, uh, like, like how much of it is coaching? I, I don't know. How much of it is the players having down seasons and maybe not performing as well this year? I don't know. How much of it was just not having the right personnel, not having enough wings, not having a solid rim-protecting center behind Nikola Jokic? I don't know. The answer is probably somewhere in the middle of all three of those potential issues, but that does put some of the onus on the coaching. Look, I wish Jordy the best. I hope that he continues to prove that he 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 deserves to be in the NBA, that he deserves this opportunity to grow in this league. And it sounds like David Adelman will be sticking around and will be the lead assistant again next year. And he seems like a guy that understands and and knows what the Nuggets need to continue doing on the offensive end. So they're going to probably be fine. But they do need to add a new voice. And and they probably need to use this as an opportunity to find some new energy, find some more defensive buy-in. And maybe that comes from just adding a new defensive assistant. I'm not sure who that is. I'm I'm not Michael Malone. I'm not on the ground with a whole bunch of defensive coaches in the NBA and trying to learn all of their schemes and trying to figure out, oh man, who does this really well? 
because oftentimes it's just about having a, a smart person involved and, and having a willing person involved to do the work. So we're going to see. We're going to see where Denver goes with this. Denver could use some more creativity on the, their defensive schemes. Jokic has some defensive skills. Aaron Gordon has some defensive skills. I think Michael Porter is a developing rim protector when he comes back. Uh, Jamal Murray is a big post defender for a guard. He seems like a good player to have within a defensive scheme. But Denver's probably going to need to add to that, of course, and you could use some better defenders, which will help anyone that they bring in here to kind of run the defense. But I do think that the Nuggets are, are in a situation where change can be good, and it's not the same with Tim Connolly. There are some aspects that are similar where change is, is going to happen, but if you lose Tim, you kind of lose that foundation. If you lose Jordy, you can use it as more of an opportunity to add and and just introduce a new voice into the mix that could potentially make a big difference in a playoff run. I, I am very curious. It is possible that Denver also just elevates uh, Charles Klask or Popeye Jones or somebody else on their roster who was a an assistant coach this year and and make them a the the lead defensive guy, a second assistant coach, the the number two on the bench. Uh, I'm not sure whether that's the route that they're going to go. My guess is that they should go outside the organization in order to introduce a better defensive voice. But, I mean, I'm not in the organization, so I'll just take that with a grain of salt. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to wrap up with the Bones Highland All-Rookie Team announcement. We'll be right back. back final segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much everybody for tuning in final segment here let's discuss bones highland let's talk about the news that came out today there was a really strong rookie class this year there was a really strong group of players in the 2021 draft class where you had a lot of talent and it started at the top with cade cunningham jalen green evan mobley scotty barnes ultimately won rookie of the year there's a lot of guys that may end up being stars or superstars in this class, and that's a great sign for the future of the league. I'm not going to lie. What's an even better sign for the future of the league is when you have so many guys throughout the first round and even into the second round that really strengthen the depth of the class, and Bones is one of those guys that came out of nowhere wasn't necessarily a lock to be in the first round this past year. Was kind of off the radar given his situation at VCU, given his uh, he wasn't like this massive high school recruit or anything like that. He was in the VCU area. The Nuggets found him. They committed to him. And expectations weren't massive for Bones at the beginning of the year, but he ultimately becomes uh, one of the only or one of the there there are there are several actually there are a lot of nuggets that made all rookie teams bones makes the all rookie second team uh the guys i mentioned before you've got 
uh, Jalen Green, Kate Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, Rookie of the Year, Evan Mobley. Uh, you also had Franz Wagner, who was the uh, last player in the first team. And then on the second team, you had Ayo Dosumu, who had a really strong season with Chicago. You had Josh Giddy, who was a really strong ball-handling wing, playmaking wing for OKC. You had Herb Jones, who was really fantastic with the uh, with the New Orleans Pelicans this year, and I probably would have voted him first team over Jalen Green, honestly. You have uh, Chris Duarte, who started for the Indiana Pacers earlier this year, and, and he had more of a, a strong start than a, a strong finish, but was still very good and, and still very helpful for his team. And then you had Bones. And and of those guys, I think Herb is the only one who was the lower the lower draft. Actually, Io was also lower picked. Uh, but those three guys, Bones, Herb, and Io, all guys that weren't necessarily expected to do big things. They weren't necessarily expected to be massive wins for their teams, but they ultimately ultimately ended up being that. And it was so great because Bones, he, he's just been a joy for this season with the Nuggets and, and for hopefully many years to come. I wasn't necessarily that high on Bones at the beginning when, when Denver selected him. I've, I've talked about this a lot before where I sort of plugged him into kind of this archetype of player that I assumed he would be. And then I didn't really think about the passing. I didn't really think about the playmaking that he offers. And he immediately showed that at Summer League. And I was just really impressed with the way that he handled himself, the way that he was balling out there. And he showed that he belonged at this level very, very quickly. I thought the way that he played in the preseason, that uh, he should be in the rotation immediately. And though Malone took his time with him, Bones still played 69 games this year. He still played the vast majority, nice, uh, the vast majority of the regular season games and played every single game in the playoffs. So he has just a massively bright outlook for what the Nuggets want him to be. And I'm just so curious to see what he continues to turn into, what the future is looking like for him. Because he went from a long shot to a fun reserve to an important piece of the rotation very, very quickly. And I'm very happy to see that because Denver needed a hit. Zeke Naji hadn't necessarily done enough over the course of his rookie and then sophomore year. And then RJ Hampton was a player that they traded for Aaron Gordon. So they kind of had to use some of their young pieces in order to get better. I do definitely think, though, that you still need some young guys. You still need some energy. And that's what Bones provided more than anything. So what's the future looking like for Bones? He's, it's still possible that he isn't a starter quality guy in the end. He still has these size and defensive concerns. I, I don't want to paper over those because I do think that it is important for Nuggets fans to slow down. He's got a long career ahead of him, hopefully. And there's definitely a possibility that um, there's definitely a possibility that he has a really strong rookie year and then maybe isn't as good in his sophomore year. There's been a lot of players like that. So Nuggets fans should, should slow down for sure. 
But it is becoming harder and harder to deny the potential, though. There are very few players in the NBA that shoot with the confidence that Bones does in all of the situations that he shoots. He's very talented. He's a, a just a baller at this level. And he has some like he has some mechanical things that he probably needs to clean up. He has some other things that he could do a little bit better. But ultimately, I think he's just a piece that is going to be unbelievable as a scorer in a playoff environment. Even when people are like focusing a lot of attention on him, as long as he's like the second option or the third option, teams are not going to be able to handle him most of the time. Like think of all the small guards this year specifically that have been scorers, that have been excellent despite the fact that they are smaller. Jalen Brunson, Jordan Poole, John Morant, Tyrese Maxey, CJ McCollum, Jordan Clarkson, all of those guys averaged at least 17.5 points per game in the playoffs just this season. And it's not like it's it's not crazy to think that Bones could make a leap and just be a very strong scorer going forward. Do I think that it's immediately going to happen? I don't know. Like I, I don't want to I don't want to say yes, I don't want to say no, because it's a lot of pressure to put on somebody like Bones. But he is somebody that has craved the pressure, for sure. He has wanted this. And I sort of think that as you as you continue to believe in Bones, if you think that he's going to continue to develop his game, become more comfortable, find a rhythm with Denver's current group, he has major X-factor potential going forward. As somebody who you can't always count on him if you're the other team. You have to stop Nikola Jokic. You have to stop Jamal Murray. You have to stop Michael Porter Jr. But can you really dedicate a whole bunch of resources to stopping Bones Highland, whether he's starting or coming off the bench? I don't know. Like I don't know how teams do that. Because there's just going to be a lot of talent, especially a lot of offensive talent in Denver for a lot of years, hopefully. And if you're the Nuggets, Denver should be trying to leverage that as much as possible. you got to surround those guys with the, the right defensive group. But there are so many talented offensive players that Denver is just going to have a an embarrassment of riches when it comes to their playoff rotation, and what they can do next season, the season after, the year after that, as long as they continue to stay committed to the playoff grind, Bones is going to be somebody who continues to get better, who continues to stay more experienced, and learns from his experiences to become the best possible player he could be. I can see him making a Tyrese Maxey jump. I can see him making a leap that Jordan Poole made this year. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. But I do think that if Denver continues to trust him, if they continue to have him let it fly, then I'd be shocked if he wasn't a major part of things going forward. Because like there are just very few players that can shoot with that confidence and feel perfectly reasonable that it's going to go in. And Bones can feel that. He is that talented dude. And I have a lot of faith in that.
All right. And that's pretty much all I have. I had to, I had to think about it for a second, but big news day for Denver this year or for this, uh, this day, a random Wednesday, kind of a news dump of if there ever was one. Uh, but these things are going to impact Denver. And as we continue to head into the offseason, there are going to be some answers uh, to the coaching situation, to the front office situation. But always uh, just keep in mind that Denver is a very talented team. They were injured this past year, but that doesn't mean that they can't continue improving going forward. I think that they have all of the pieces that you should probably be looking for from an offensive perspective. Now it's just about the defensive end. And that is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Mile High Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support, as always. I will be back. Uh, sure, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll, I'll, I'll, I think I'm going to have a guest on, and we are going to talk nuggets ad nauseum, as you know. Maybe talking about some of the, the playoff ramifications from this year. We'll just have to see how it goes. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys very soon.